This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with JP McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you. Hope you are well. Another week of uh, Cork Today. It's JP in for Patricia until one. And our lines are open 1850 333 103 if there's something you want to raise on the programme or comment on something we're discussing. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You can tweet this morning at C103 Cork. And ahead on the programme, there is concerns for the future of Balancolic Fire Station as the area recently moved into the city by way of local authority. It now seems the fire service are travelling from Anglesey Street and from there then onto Balancolic. Uh, while the local fire station in Balancolic remains empty, some people may say it's not that long of a journey, but speaking to firefighters over the last few days, it can take up to 12 minutes, 15 minutes, and then if you're going to incorporate traffic on that route, it could be longer. So it could have an effect. That time frame when there's a fire could have a huge effect. So discussing that this morning on the programme. Also, health costs are set to increase, and due to this, so is the cost of health insurance will be discussing with Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie and we'll be discussing also what can be done to prevent potential blackouts this winter from energy providers. We'll find out the current situation when it comes to using the Leap Card at Mallow Railway Station and did you watch it last night? Are you a fan? I think when it appears on our TV, you know there's only a few weeks to go to Christmas. I'm a celebrity is back. And if you did watch it last night, we'll be chatting all about it. What did you make of it? Ken, our breakfast presenter, he rathers it in Australia than in Wales in the castle. I don't mind. I think it's something different. And still, it brings what everything is about. I'm a celeb, even though it's from a castle in Wales and not in a jungle. Uh, but what do you make of it? Do you prefer Australia? Do you prefer Wales? And over Overall, are you a fan? Do you watch it? Let us know. We'll be speaking with our man Crossy later on the programme on his thoughts on I'm a Celebrity last night and all those who are taking part, those celebs in this year's show. And also from 12.30, Annalisa Drazel is here answering all your nutritional questions. If you have a question for Annalisa, get those into us now. She'll join us after 12.30. But first of all, let's do the phone lines. We go where Thomas joins me this morning in Bandon. Good morning to you, Thomas. 
Good morning. And you want to raise an issue, and this is regarding the beautiful playground in Bandon. I mean, locals will know it's behind the town hall in Bandon, looking over the river in a beautiful location. But you went along there yesterday morning. Just tell us what you came across. Well, unfortunately, I think we've seen a deterioration in, in the Bandon playground over a number of years. It used to be a nice playground, as you say, but... The, the, the broken glass, the obscene graffiti, even discarded condoms, the, the groups of antisocial youths who are, who are hanging out there and actually making out, in fact, in front of small children, swearing uh, profusely in front of small children as well. It's just been getting worse and worse. Yesterday when I went there, we, we had, actually, I, I hadn't taken my children there for quite some time because of this, but I relented yesterday morning. I took my, my little toddler there. Uh, it was even worse than normal because... Aside from, from the trash and the bits of glass, I found the swings and the seesaw were covered in some kind of goo, rendering them unusable. Um, it looked to me like it had been deliberately done, actually, targeted such. And literally, the the only item that, that he could use was uh, a, a, what I described as a, a phallus festoon slide nearby. That was the only thing that could be used. And you know, I suppose in some ways, you could say it's okay for me because... I'm fortunate I can get in my car and drive them to the nicer playgrounds and in the Shannon or Ballonspittle or elsewhere. But there are families and children in the town that have no options, you know, have no outdoor space and don't have the ability to drive elsewhere. And for them, it's unusable. It really is. And you mentioned there, first of all, the glass isn't ideal because if a child, and if you weren't aware it was there, you could easily have a situation where a child really hurts themselves if they fall on top of that glass. But this gooey substance, I mean, was it something like uh, glue painted onto the seats or or, or, or described? I see the photos here you've sent to us and thanks for those photos. I mean, it does look like something that was painted onto the seats. Would that be the best way to describe it? It does. And I I tried to touch it, but I didn't want to get too close. Well, yeah. it, it, it was difficult to see what exactly it was. It, it almost looked like a mixture of one of these um, confetti things that people use for, for parties um, with with some some version of that it looked like. But it, it was really difficult to wipe off, basically. Um, and, uh, yeah, you couldn't just wipe it off with a cloth. It was stuck on quite, quite tightly to the seat and you really could not put a child onto it. And, I mean, that area you speak about, when I was growing up in Bandon, there would be a lot of teens always gathering behind the town hall. For some reason, that was where people gathered. I mean, I was in our studio in Bandon on Saturday, walking over the new footbridge again. There was, you know, not saying any of these people were involved, but there was teens gathering there, as there always is. Uh, But does that lead into some gathering there that are up to no good? And you have a situation, because it seems to be this playground is usually the target, and it always seems to be at the week. In. So uh, with that in mind, do you think they need to do something about this? Or I don't know if there's any CCTV in the area that can pick those who are responsible for, for, for this up on video. I don't believe there is any, any CCTV there, as far as I'm aware. And we've all been youths, we've all been young people and, and, and have gathered, etc. But I, I sense, and I don't think I'm the only one who feels this, I've seen this and I've spoken to other parents, that there is... Um, there's a sense of menace there, to be frank with you. I think some of these teens are actually acting very aggressively um, towards people, towards parents, and, uh, and by, by default towards the children. Uh, it just feels that there's a lack of respect, there's a lack of responsibility, and to be frank with you, there's a lack of retribution. You know, I really feel that there is no follow-up, that those who repeatedly and remorselessly deface and damage our public amenities, they're, they're just not held accountable for their actions. And 
towns like Bandon, I think, will struggle to build socially cohesive communities, safe, pleasant public spaces whilst this continues. And all of the good work to build a new playground, uh, the, the tidy towns volunteers who do tremendous work around the town and others, I just fear that that will be undermined by by this attitude and this these people who are just not facing any consequences. Yeah, and just a minority of people uh, that are doing this, as you mentioned, the Tidy Town Group in Bandon and Tidy Towns right across the city and county do fantastic work. I mean, the gang in Bandon are out all the time doing as much as they can and others in the community and businesses get involved as well. But then to think a few can do something like this and destroy it for people like yourselves who are you know going down there on an early Sunday morning and you come across this. I mean, you, you were saying there to us that you've been in playgrounds and what you describe as some of the worst parts and some of the toughest cities in the world, and to see this in your own hometown, I have. I mean, I've I've lived and worked abroad for many years, and I've I've been to many countries and many cities. And as you say, it is to some really rough areas of some very bad cities and emerging economies as well as advanced economies. And I really have not seen anything as unsafe and unpleasant as in my hometown. And. Thomas, when you were growing up in Bandon, I mean, I mentioned there, it was obvious there was always uh, teens. might not be for bad, it could be for good as well, gathering in that particular area over the years. Uh, do you feel the town has changed or is it just that Ireland has changed when you came back? And as you mentioned, the attitudes of young and old is just changing compared to when you were growing up it's, and leading to situations like this. Yeah, that's, that's a bigger discussion I think we need to have, to be frank with you, as a community, as a society. Um, absolutely, and I'm certainly not one of these 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 retrospective people or one of these regressive people in this respect. You know, uh, I'm married to an immigrant. Um, my I've spent as I said, I've been an immigrant myself, and uh, so it's not just about that. And there's lots of many very solid, good people who have come to this community, uh, to this town from elsewhere in other countries. Um, there and there are many local folks who are problematic as well, right? So there's something, however, yes, in the fabric of the town in the fabric of certain youth groups in the town that is a problem, I believe. Um, it's mixtures of people, it's, it's different types of folks, but there are problems in the community. I, I certainly believe that. And we are... I don't have an answer to this. It's a very difficult one. I do think that law and order is a problem. Um, I think we need to have more visible policing. Um, and I say that as, as somebody who grew up with a father in the Garda Shukana, so I'm certainly not somebody who is in any way um, anti-Garda Shukana and very mm. pro, but I think we need to have much more visible and active policing in the community. And that's, call that old-fashioned, but I think it's, it's core to, uh, to, to strong society and safe communities. And I think we need to think about this as a community as well, how we, how we tackle these issues and how we ensure that these disaffected youths or whatever term we want to put on this. And it's not perhaps just youths, to be fair. I think there are all older people as well who are probably contributing. I know they are actually contributing to some of the, the detritus, for example, found along the riverbank from drinking that the tidy townspeople are clearing up regularly, the bags that they pick up of, of discarded beer cans, etc., along along the riverbanks. So there's, it's not just a youth factor here. There's an issue here that we need to think about as, as a group, as a community, and address in a very clear and honest and open way. Um, and I don't think that's being done. 
And I mean, you mentioned that the Gardaí, I know the Gardaí themselves have told us that they would love more. But unfortunately, the new recruits from Templemore seem to be given to the likes of the Dublin, the bigger Dublin area and not to Cork. And that's something that the Gardaí themselves openly have said to us that they find very frustrating and it's leading to situations like this. The playground, I know, was campaigned over the years by various parents. So it is distressing for them, I'm sure, listening to this this morning. I do presume Cork County Council are responsible for that playground. So we'll get in touch with them, see what they say and also I know there's I think there's a council meeting today as well maybe councillors that are on their way there uh, might have answers for us later in the programme as well Uh, Thomas thanks for raising uh, this by the way when you went along there yesterday did you have to go to another playground for your your child? Well I actually had to scoop him up very very swiftly uh, against his as you can imagine, he was he was tantruming as a consequence, but mm. I just couldn't keep him there because it just wasn't it wasn't safe, it wasn't pleasant, um, and there were also some youths there who were who were occupying. Oh, I have no problem with taking on some young people who are causing problems, being being direct and open with them. But I know there are many who shy away from them. Um, so no, I, I just I just went home to be frank with you. I was didn't have time to go elsewhere. But as I say, there are many who don't have that choice to go elsewhere, and that is their only immunity, and it's not available to them right now. And the youths that were there, I mean, were they causing problems or, or were they just minding their own business when you were there yesterday morning? Well, the ones there yesterday were, um, let's just say I've seen, I've seen worse groups there. And again, don't get it wrong, I'm not attacking the youth as such, but there is an element there. Um, but they, were, they, they do swear, you know, for example, they, they swear out loud very, some, some really nasty words and, and, and statements in front of small children. And sometimes they're, they're physically making out with each other underneath the slide and in the area in front of children. It's that sort of yeah. behaviour. And that's the last thing, yeah. And children don't need to be seeing that. I know that on the pictures you yeah. sent in, there is some rude um, drawings as well, let's say, on uh, the various slides and the facilities there in the playground. Uh, and, and you're a three-year-old when you got home. What's his name, by the way? His name is Rory. Rory. Was he was he in better form when he got home then? <laughs> yeah, I managed to placate him afterwards. So ah, he, okay. he was okay. Well, uh, send our love to Rory and your your family, Thomas. We we will look into this with the council. And again, if there's councillors listening or anybody in the know, uh, CCTV, I know it's in the area. I don't think there's any cameras directly pointing to right behind uh, the town hall and the riverbank in Bandon. Uh, but maybe someone has an idea. Maybe there's a private business may have them there. We'll wait and see. But Thomas, thanks for raising the issue this morning on the programme. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank no you. problem. Thanks day. for joining us. The Thomas there uh, in Bandon on something that I'm sure in other towns we will get similar reaction. We usually do when we discuss something like this. But unfortunate that when he went along to his local playground in his local town where he grew up, uh, that is what he came across. Gluey substance, again, broken glass and just not something that young children could be playing in on a playground that was really campaigned for by parents in the Bandon area to think that that is how it is treated is very unfortunate for parents and very frustrating as he mentioned uh, your views are welcome 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 86 and just something there as we are mentioning about the weather earlier it does seem that temperatures are set to fall across this week to minus three degrees overnight. It's going to get very cold across the country and indeed across Cork overnight. During the day, temperatures will go between three degrees and nine degrees. But overall, it is going to get cold and that is leading to people getting in the Christmas spirit. Uh, but there's a shortage of 
Christmas trees but these are the artificial Christmas trees and seemingly the real trees that we have uh, they're losing their needles too early because it was so mild all along now whether that changes this week or not I'm not too sure but uh, people some people are still going for the artificial trees and I was walking around various parts of the city suburbs yesterday and I did notice a lot of people have their Christmas decorations up and the Christmas trees up uh, and I know a lot of towns and villages across the county as well and in the city the Christmas lights are on so uh, have you your tree up? Let us know or is it too early or do you have it up and have you ready to go and I must say those I saw are very well Christmas uh, decorations very well decorated the homes are this year and uh, plenty sparkle on the trees as well that I came across over the weekend anyhow let us know have you the tree up and have you it all ready to go or are you like those people unable to find the Christmas tree this year due to what it seems to be anyhow a backlog uh, with artificial Christmas trees due to the various events across the year and just keeping with the Christmas theme it seems that tills will be ringing to the tune of wait for this 1.5 billion euros this Christmas why well because well, I don't know how true this is, but seemingly a lot of us anyway will have a lot of money to spend because of the fact that there's no Christmas parties. A lot of people won't be out as much as they would be for Christmas. So people are going to turn the spending they would have saved for nights out. Yes, towards the shops and they're going to spend it on Christmas presents uh, both within shops and online seemingly retail are hoping uh, that it will be a good Christmas for them and a festive one considering everything they've been through over the last year or so. We'll have to wait and see. 1850 Lines open and you can email also Cork today at c103.ie text or WhatsApp on 0862103103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Ballincollig Fire Station became part of the Cork City Fire Brigade in May of 2019 following the city boundary extension. But unfortunately, people now in the area have realised the station has closed on a full-time capacity. And what exactly is happening here? Well, I'm joined, first of all, by Billy Crowley, who's a union rep with the Cork City Fire Brigade. Good morning to you, Billy. Good morning, JP. How are things? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. I mean, this was brought to our attention by people in the Banning area and also firefighters who were quite worried about this situation, the fact that they're travelling now from Anglesey Street to service the Banning area. Just explain, this is a retained fire station, so just explain what this means and how it operates. So up till September, it would have been a retained fire station. So that's the model they'd use, we'll say, in most county stations around the country, um, we'll say it's the model they'd use in Bandon, McCroom, Carrigaline, that kind of thing. So the firefighters there would carry a pager, they'd live and work in the area, and then when a f- call came in for a fire or when the fire brigade were needed, their pager would go off, they'd make their way to the station, and then they'd, they'd go to the call and deal with it. And that would differ to the main cities around the country, Dublin, Cork, Waterford, Galway, Limerick, where they'd have a, a full-time service. So the firefighters inside there would come on shift at nine o'clock or six o'clock in the evening, and they would they would there would be a presence in the station on a twenty four or seven basis. And did that change then from when the station itself went from county to city? Is this one of the reasons we're in this situation? No, it would have changed back in September, so it would have been a retained station up until. September. So it had no, nothing to do with the the changeover in the local authority, no. No, when no. when the local authority changed, we'll say Ballincollig, the Ballincollig area would have become part of the city along with Douglas and Grange and uh, Rochestone. Mm. And and then we'll say the city got Ballincollig Fire Station as part of the boundary extension and that would have worked as a retained station. 
And in our recent recruitment campaign, five of the retained firefighters in Ballancolic were successful and they're currently in training to become full-time firefighters with Cork City Fire Brigade. So as soon as they started training, essentially there were no there weren't enough retained firefighters in Ballancolic to provide a service. So we covered it by putting a full-time crew out there on a 24-7 basis, and that worked successfully up until last Tuesday um, when Cork City Council took the decision to withdraw the crew from Ballancolic. And this decision was due to cost? That's what we're being told, yeah. All right. Well, we've been told by firefighters that it is due to cost and also been told by others uh, that it's changed the budgets due to overtime and that they could not keep uh, the, the facility going by a monetary view. And that's why it's gone the, the way it is. And also the big worry here is the travel time from Anglesey Street to Ballincollig. I mean, can you understand where those working within the fire service are coming from there with regards to the travel time, which for others might seem it's only out the road. But in the case of a fire, 10 minutes can be a huge a change of time on how a fire can change itself? Oh, absolutely. Like, look, I'm a firefighter myself with Cork City and it is the the, the speed and, and weight of your attack is what, what matters. That's what saves lives, essentially. And you have a, a double problem here. One is the travel time from Anglesey Street to Cork City, but you also have this situation where the resources that are from, from Anglesey Street out to Ballincollig, sorry, but you also have the situation where the resources which were in Ballincollig are no longer there for us. So if we need that extra truck, that extra crew, it's not there anymore. And where are the trucks gone? Are they are they parked up now inside the city centre or are they just not used? They're parked up outside in Ballincollig Fire Station. Just lying idle? Yeah, lying idle. And the recruits that are in training at the moment, when they finish, will they go back to Ballincollig or do you know the future plan? Uh, those those recruits will be to replace uh, retirements and natural natural wastage or attrition within Cork City Fire Brigade. So there isn't, as far as I'm aware, there's no plan for those 18 recruits to be stationed out in Ballincollig. So what happens then to Ballincollig? Is it just going to lie idle, have a building lying idle, having trucks lying idle? Well, we're going to fight hard for a, a full-time crew to be put back out there. That's what the people of Ballincollig deserve and that's what the people of Cork City deserve is essentially to have that resource available for everyone in the city. And could it go back to being a station like it was where, you know, before September, could that method work? It, it could work long term, but essentially you'd be talking about running a recruitment tr- campaign, training the individuals who were successful in that campaign, and then uh, you'd, you'd have to wonder about uh, taking taking people essentially giving them the training and putting them on the run straight away where none of them have, have the experience like if you look at we'll say Cork City inside we have 18 new recruits coming on stream they won't go out the door to fires on their own they'll go with us they'll be sitting in the truck next to me and other people who have experience you know of course, you know, you're dealing with life and death in a lot of these situations. Uh, and it's amazing to think if this is down to budgetary decisions, that the fire service, again, you know, is going to be uh, the one hit, something like our health services hit when it comes to those uh, budgetary decisions. It's it's the, the ones we need, the 24-7, the life-saving uh, features of society is, is what we need. And it's disappointing if that is one of the reasons. Stay there, Billy, because a local councillor in the Ballincollig area, Derry Canty, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Derry. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Uh, Derry, you, I mean, you're worried over this, obviously. You would have been within Cork County Council, am I right? That's right, for so 28 I, years a member. Yeah, so when it changed into the city, a lot of councillors had reservations. I mean, were you one of those? Certainly I was. When I 
when the news came exactly what was going to happen because a number of years ago, and uh, Billy would probably know this as well, we, there was a recruitment drive taken here for Ballon Colleagues. Now, this is stuff we never knew what was going behind on the scenes in relation to the transparency of the city. But over the period of time, not one, one new recruit was taken on in Ballon College. And eventually, when the, new, uh, when the advertisement came on the evening echo or the Cock Examiner for full-time fire uh, members inside the city, they jumped at it straight away because, as you know, a retainer is a 24-7 job. You're there, you're, you can't go for a pint, you can't go nowhere if you're on call. And like that, over the years, Bannon Carrick did lose a few members, re- retirement and so forth, so they were only on a skeleton staff here. And then, when they went into the city, the bubble burst, and we were told, oh, Bannon Carrick is, uh, th- th- we have no recruits for Bannon Carrick, and that's how Billy was telling you there about the, the fire brigade being sent out. And like, there's a story to that as well, no, I'm not going to argue, I don't argue with Union, I'm not going to argue with the CEO, which I'm already after having words with her, in relation to Bannon College, that we need a fire crew stationed here. We fought for it when we were in the county council. They worked perfectly. They were great crew members. They were out there with everything for us. And Cork City knows they, retire, they, they attended fire service, they fire jobs with them. So look, we want our fire station reopened. And do you think, Derry, that if you were under Cork County Council, that things would be as they were? As is, yes, they would. They would. There was no talk whatsoever till this uh, this bubble burst uh, a couple of weeks ago that the lads were after uh, signed on for uh, training for full time and nothing in Banningcali. And Billy, no one, where sorry, do you yeah. go from here, Billy? I mean, you're in this situation now. There doesn't seem to be any change at the moment from the city side of it regarding this. Uh, so how can you fix this and how can you get the station in Banningcali up and running? Well, we've we've asked for the WRC, the Workplace Relations Commission, to come down in the hope that they'll be able to mediate the situation. We'll be pushing strongly for a crew to be returned to Ballincollig Fire Station because that's a that's a fire pump we need. We had four pumps up until Tuesday, and then at six o'clock Tuesday, the fourth pump was taken off the run, and we're down to three. So we can't cover this much area with mm. this little. We we need them. We need them back. So we're hoping that. Cork City Council will sit down around the table. They'll see sense to what we're saying and what the councillors, the likes of Derry there, are saying to them. And, and Billy, when I speak about Banning College, does it go, do you cover the far out areas? I know there would be county then, but would Banning College cover the likes of Arhala and as far as Coachford and those areas? Oh, absolutely. It would, like okay. if, if, So they're all affected and implicated. Yeah, like if you have a house, uh, house fire, you send two pumps to it. And for example, if there was a house fire in McCroom, the first pump that would roll to that will be McCroom's own fire truck and the second pump would have been Ballincollig, but it's not Ballincollig, no, it's Anglesey Street. So we lose, essentially, one of our pumps. So we had four. Last Tuesday we dropped at three. If there's a house fire in McCroom this morning, a pump from Anglesey Street will go to it and we'll have two pumps covering the entire Cork City. And not the old Cork City, the new Cork City. That's a huge area and also for those living in the McCroom area it's a big knock-on effect because it will take an extra 15-20 minutes you know, trying to get out from the city and then head towards McCroom. I mean Derry when you're now as you are the city council uh, I mean if it is down to money how can it be changed around if they're going to come back and they're going to say look we simply don't have the funds. You see the point is that last year we gave we gave 600,000 this year to uh, Cox City Fire Station, our fire brigade, increasing our budget. Uh, in 2021, 20, there's 15,207,600. 
this year we gave fifteen million seven hundred and twenty nine. 500, so like, there's an increase of 600, I don't know where Anne, Anne is coming inside, and this is what I don't want to be arguing between Anne and the fire brigade. The point is, as Billy was saying there, if there's a fire or a major accident, two engines have to go to it, mm. to, co- to create a barrier for health and safety working. As we look at it now at the moment, if there was a serious accident on the Balancholic Bypass, where the two engines would have to come from Anglesey Street. No, that's two engines gone. Then by the time, if they ring from McCroom or ring from Carrigaline, look at the dense, the distances. They have to come up to Balancholic or up to that accident. The point is, I can see where the CEO or Cork City Council are looking at this. We had a fire station. Why break something that was working? And I know that they put out a fire. They put out full-time, I bet you know, they came, they came down from the civil defence unit. They, they were stationed up the civil defence unit in Balavoa, uh, up in Balavoa, uh, yeah. and they were brought out to Balancholic. They, they were working from Balancholic because they were working over as far as Blarney. They were going in as far as the CUH. They were working out, uh, you know, out west. And all of a sudden, there's a big void. And as I said, they're initially at the start. If there's a crash in the Balancholic bypass today, where's the unit going to come from but by the city? And if there was a major fire inside the city, and if Balancholic had a fire, where were we? Yeah, yeah. what happens then if you have two major instances in, two as you say, Balancholic and the city centre, or yeah. f- f- further west going out towards uh, the coach of Dermot Croom, it impacts a Which wide there's area. There's always something happening. Like there's always bound to be a little tip outside there and actually you have to go to yeah. protect your workers their health and safety with two units on, on site and this is not going to work and until such time and I agree with Billy get around the table and start knocking heads, heads, uh, heads inside the city council at the moment we need that fire station open and we at the moment we want it full time OK well we have to leave it there but we wait and see what happens uh, Derry thanks for joining us this morning on that and also Billy Crowley who's a union thanks, rep uh, thanks for joining us as well C- keep us up to date what's happening we'll, we'll follow that story closely because it does have a huge impact for the moment though thanks to both of you uh, for joining us this morning uh, Councillor Derry Canty and there Billy Crowley who's a union rep with the Cork City Fire Brigade uh, which will have a huge knock on effect if this continues uh, your views are welcome 1850 you can text or whatsapp 086 Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103103. According to new research, the elderly are spending millions of euro more than necessary for their private health insurance, especially those who have been on the same plan for many years. And as health costs increase within hospitals, there can be a knock on effect for health insurance. Well, Dermot Good joins me from TotalHealthCover.ie with advice on this and how to save. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, there's been a number of schemes over the last year or so that have been withdrawn by a number of the health insurance. VHI, I suppose, the most one that has come out on this. And they've been been replaced or been updated. And if someone has been on a plan that has been changed or has been withdrawn, is it that they offer a, a similar type plan or is it up to them to go looking for one? Yeah, so the, the good news, John Paul, is that if your plan is being withdrawn, you won't find yourself without cover. So that's the key thing. So what will happen is uh, VHI are already writing out now to thousands of members uh, whose plans are no longer available. And what they'll be doing is they'll be offering um, offering you, let's just say, equivalent cover. Um, now, be careful with this because 
look, it's, it is difficult for the insurance companies to pick the ideal plan for you. So what they usually do is they'll pick a plan that's in a similar price range with similar benefits. Um, so just to reassure any listeners affected by this is that you won't be without cover. If you don't contact the insurance company, they will simply roll you onto this new plan and continue with your cover. So there won't be a break in cover whatsoever. However, we would encourage all of those members to engage with the insurance companies because, like I'll give an example, John Paul, the, the family plan plus, uh, let's just say, level 1.3, which was 1700 is now gone, as are the parent and kids schemes, which were between 17 and 1800 euro. Uh, VHI is going to offer those members plans called something like Enhanced Care Complete, which are in around the same pricing. But they have brilliant corporate plans, such as PMI 3613, which is €1,405 per adult. So I would urge all of those people who are seeing their plans being retired, take this as an opportunity to shop around and maybe get better cover at a lower premium um, and still potentially stay with the same insurance company. So, you know, don't just take the first plan that that they offer you, but the other couple of things that are coming people's way as well, John Paul, exactly what you've said there, we're coming into busiest renewal period where nearly a million people are going to renew their cover over the next three months so it's going to be a crazy busy time and that means it can be difficult getting through to the insurance companies and we're seeing those plans being retired 25 of them being retired so thousands of people who might not want to shop around will actually have to because their plan doesn't exist anymore and then we're seeing price increases and the the rate increases now thankfully they're not significant but the cumulative effect over the last year is that people will probably see rates going up by about five percent but the older members still jump all around the older plans and we we get that because they're afraid to switch and they're fearful of change and they're worried about losing benefits but if you're still on the health plus extra with bhi 2740 the old family options or the essential plus excess with um with Leia Healthcare, which is like, let's just say, 3,083, or the Level 2 Hospital with Irish Life, which is about 3,200 euro. Those are good schemes, but they're very expensive schemes. And those people could potentially save 500, maybe 2,000 euro per adult by shopping around. So now's the time to, I suppose, start engaging to try and save some money. Yeah, as you mentioned, January is the big time where people do get their renewals. And you're right, I mean, we all shop around for car insurance and other types of insurance and, you know, energy providers. But with health, I think the big thing is that people could lose out if they go to another policy. They're afraid that something like a scan or something may not be covered. But you can, as you say, look around and see what is covered under these. I mean, I suppose uh, the situation for a lot of people is looking for the best value for money, but also to realise what is for them but what about people who then say I can't afford it anymore I can't afford the full medical insurance cover what would you suggest for someone like that who can't pay the full amount yeah well two things now John Ball two things on that so first of all anybody who's who likes the idea of potentially saving 500 to 1000 each all you do is you just engage with the insurance companies so for example let's just say you're with BHI and you're thinking of switching to another provider when you phone that other provider tell them everything that's the key thing Tell them what plan you have. Tell them what conditions you have. Tell them what treatments you're getting or what treatments you may be likely to get. Tell them which scan centers are, you know, located near where you live. Tell them everything. Disclose everything. Ask everything. Tell them everything. Any doctors you're attending, any regular treatments you might be getting, you tell them everything. Because then they have to tell you exactly how their cover compares to your existing plan. So 
that's the whole trick with health insurance. Unlike other insurances where people are afraid to disclose stuff because they think, sure, if I tell them stuff, they won't cover me or they'll charge me more. They can't do that in health insurance. It's either covered or not covered. So the key thing is engage. Get them on the phone. Tell them everything. Check everything. Ask everything. And then if you're happy with the answers they give you, well, then that makes switching very easy. Now, the, the other part of the question is people who now are finding it way too expensive. So, and there are a lot of people in that situation for various reasons. There is a whole multitude of plans out there that people can select from. So there's plans to suit every budget and everybody's requirements. And our advice always is, look, there's various things you can do, John Paul. You can take on a small excess. You can maybe reduce your accommodation cover. You can maybe take on a bigger excess than what you currently have. Maybe you don't need to be covered for every private hospital. Maybe you don't need day-to-day cover on your policy. You know, you can also look at splitting your cover. So, for example, you know, if one person on the policy is really using the cover, where we try and ring-fence them but maybe reduce the cover for others. So there's a load of tactics that you can employ to try and make that premium more affordable. If you're on the same plan for three years or more, if you're paying more than 1800 per adult, if you're not on a full corporate plan, which anybody can join, um, then, John Paul, you're already overpaying. So a lot of people are quite shocked to realize the level of savings that can be made for very similar cover. But look, if you're in that, I suppose, category where you need to cut your cost back, get advice. There's loads of advisors out there who, who will assist you with this. And But don't cancel your cover. That has to be the last resort because, look, John Paul, everybody knows how much pressure the public system is under. There isn't another alternative to going privately at the moment. That's the issue. So I would encourage anybody in that situation Look at all the lower cost options first and cancellation should be absolutely a last resort um, and hopefully there's something there for them. And very finally, Kay on WhatsApp and you probably have a touch on this earlier uh, when we are discussing various policies out there but she is 71, she's in relatively good health and she has Care Select cover from Leia. She finds that it's expensive for her. Uh, on what she has, is there a, a cheaper option? Well, do you know what? Here's the thing now. Uh, John Paul, that plan is a very good plan. It's €1,590. It's a private room corporate plan that gives 75% back on consultants' fees. So it is a very good scheme. Now, if Kay, let's just say, for example, doesn't want the private room, and let's just say maybe is not incurring a huge amount on outpatient expenses, Kay should check out the um, Simply Connect scheme with Leia, 1360 So that might say €230, and Kay will still have super cover in place. But just bear in mind, it's not exactly like for like. But I would I would suggest that she first checks out that Simply Connect scheme um, at 1360 But the plan she has is still a very good scheme as well. And Lisa's saying, I listened to Dermot on your show last year and I changed from Leia to VHI and saved €540. Euros. So he is right. Uh, you should definitely shop around. You can compare as well, of course, on your website, totalhealthcover.ie, Dermot, can't you? They can. There's a free policy search there which people can log on to and look, we upgrade that and we update that every week with the latest deals. So, you know, people can go on there and just check and see what those deals are and then phone the insurance companies and um, let's just say with, with a specific plan in mind. The last bit of advice I'd give to all of your listeners, John Paul, is look, don't let your policy just roll over without engaging with the insurance companies. You know, make sure you understand exactly what you're getting and if there's an increase there, it, it just takes a few phone calls to check and see is there another plan on the market that gives you similar benefits. Um, but, but make sure you have good cover in place. Look, right now is not the time to be reducing your cover unless you absolutely have to.
Okay, Dermot, good advice as always, and thanks for joining us this morning. That is, uh, thank you, Dermot, good there of totalhealthcover.ie. JP in for Patricia until one with Cork today, and on the way, we'll be discussing what can be done to prevent potential blackouts this winter from energy providers, and also discussing the current situation with uh, the use of the Leap Card at Mallow Railway Station and pressure continuing on South Dock in the city. That and more to come between now and one, along with Annalisa Drizel after 12.30 answering your nutritional questions and if you're a fan of I'm a Celeb we'll be checking in with our man Crossy just before midday on what he made of it did you watch it last night are you a fan what did you make of the celebs we'll discuss I'm a Celebrity uh, just before midday here on Cork Today but your calls and comments are welcome Bernie takes those to 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 we spoke earlier uh, to a number of people first of all in relation to the fire service in Banning Colleague um, this was the changes that have happened in the last number of weeks regarding basically the fire uh, building and the trucks at the station in Banning College lying idle. And when we were speaking to, first of all, Councillor Derry Canty was, uh, is worried because obviously the reason this has happened, uh, one of the reasons is Banning College was always a retained fire station in Cork County Council. Now it's part of the City Council and there's been changes because of that. Billy Crowley, a union rep with Cork City Fire Brigade, basically explained the consequences of this and what could happen. And I think at the end, Derry made a very good point that if, if there was an incident in the city and also one in Banning College, what would happen then? Again, going back to lack of resources and it's, it's unfortunate that those within our fire service are the ones losing out when it comes to lack of resources. We always hear that as well when it comes to the health service. Anyhow, uh, on this uh, text here on WhatsApp saying the people of Banning College are now treated differently than somebody in Toker. But why is that? Why should Banning College be different than someone who was only in the road in Toker? It's not fair. And John says, John Paul, are firefighters paid for their time or is it voluntary? Where does the money go for the call-off fee? As far as I know, it's voluntary but in recent years there is a substantial fee charged to the person who calls the fire brigade the most of the firefighters are working in everyday jobs are they getting paid is John is asking well there is full time firefighters as we heard there Billy describe uh, across the city there's a number of full time firefighters so obviously enough they're, that's their job they're getting a wage and for those in retained stations then like Billy mentioned what Banning Colleague was and the likes of Bandon and McCroom I do presume they get uh, a wage or get a retainer or something for their work or do they get um, paid every time they go out I'm not too sure how it works is that a retainer or do they get paid when they go out you would hopefully they do get paid when they go out and it's not voluntary because the fact that they are putting their lives in danger and they're going into well, in any kind of a situation they don't know what they're facing and without people like that you know if your house unfortunately touch wood it never would go up but if it did go up on fire uh, you would have people from the fire service and you'd be thankful that they would be out to your house in uh, a fast enough time hopefully uh, so uh, they, 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 as far as I'm aware they do but if maybe you are working within the fire service or you are a retained firefighter let us know uh, I would presume they do and by right they should get paid if they don't but I, I think they do uh, John on text 0862103103 while Paul in the city says the Cork City Fire Service is like the HSE too many managers there are eight senior officers in Cork City whereas there are only six for the entirety of Northern Ireland and as usual they want to make cuts to the front 
front line, says Paul. Good point, Paul. And a lot of people agreeing with you on that, Paul. A number of texts here, for example, Nora uh, saying, why is it always the front line that gets hit when it comes to services in this country? Look at the hospitals. It's our nurses and doctors are the ones under pressure. While we have a huge amount of admin staff and management within the HSC. And is it similar with the fire service? How many managers do we have? How many officers that aren't out fighting are within City Hall? This needs to be looked at. Do not cut the front line. They are the ones that will end up saving lives. We can see now what is happening with this pandemic. The lack of ICU beds and the lack of staff is why we are finding ourselves again in this situation. Uh, says Nora at the text on 0862103103. And on something totally different, Mike uh, wants to know about the games yesterday in the, that was the hurling games yesterday in Parky Cueve. Um, he wants to know if the Cork County Board refused permission to show the games. Now, I'm not too sure, Mike, what you mean by this, because uh, first of all, the games were live here on C103 and the Irish Examiner had live streaming as well on their website. So I'm not too sure, is it on television? And if it was television, uh, TG Carr were showing finals, but would they have been? I mean, the, the, would they have been arranged by you know by, by date uh, far in advance with television rights? Or I, I'm not too sure what because it was shown on the Irish Examiner, so I'm not too sure what when you mean they weren't they were refused because it was it was streamed. Um, when you mean TV rights, that could be something to do with the broadcaster themselves. It could be the fact that. There was another final on and they were showing that instead of the Cork one. They don't always show uh, the same county every year either. So uh, just to let us know what exactly you mean by that because it was shown live uh, on two platforms on the streaming from the Examiner and it was on radio here on C103. And Liam is in Bruff and he's discussing what we were discussing last week on the prize bonds on Friday afternoon show and when we were discussing that people basically said that they they felt there was no wins in the prize bonds recently and they were wondering why that was and we were saying well we don't know if there was no wins or not so you know we were looking into it. Anyhow prize bonds themselves via Unpost were listening in and they did hear that conversation. They issued us a statement and a bit of positive news in this one because this week's prize bond star prize of €50,000 it went to a lucky person in County Cork and the prize bond number is LY501310 so LY501310 and someone in Cork won that prize bond's amount of €50,000 and the lucky bond was purchased in 2009 and prize bonds continue to say that there was over 4,220 prizes awarded in this week's prize bond draw amounting over to €274,000 and in addition to that uh, which was awarded they also have uh, weekly draws in the months of March, June, September and December Uh, but basically they're confirming that there was winners and there is winners of prize bonds. A lot of texts last Friday afternoon asking has anybody won? People looking to see if someone in the Cork area has won anything on prize bonds over the last year or two or three years. Well, there we are. They've come back to us and someone has in County Cork won €50,000. So uh, I presume they go and tell you you've won. Uh, but if you haven't, check that number and hopefully somebody will have a good Christmas there because of prize bonds. And also... Uh, just staying with that because I know that whole conversation from prize bonds came up from the lotto on Friday's show. 
And again, it wasn't won. The 19 million euro lotter jackpot remains and that means that the Fine Gael TD who raised this last uh, week has been on again. This is Bernard Durkin because he feels the game now needs to be revamped to make it more winnable. And again, he's calling on the lottery chiefs to reduce the 47 balls in the drum and to increase the chance of winning as it has been more now than five months since the last jackpot winner. Uh, would you agree with that? Again, the weekend is gone and no lotter winner. And Magella on a text asking regarding the antigen tests and there was good news regarding that yesterday. Uh, Magella wondering if they're going to be reduced in cost. Well, they said they would and they are because it seems, and this was from a report within the Sunday Times, uh, that antigen tests could be made available for as little as one euro in discount stores under new government plans. And uh, the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly on the Sunday Times yesterday, he said he is bringing a memo to Cabinet proposing a government sub subsidy of up to three euro per test. So that would, for example, bring down the cost of a box of five tests from uh, roughly 20 euro to five euro in Aldi or indeed in Lidl. So there is good news there. But I know there's another texter asking uh, those who are on the medical card, will they get them for free? And the government have come out on that and have said that the medical card holders will not be given free antigen tests under plans to be discussed by Cabinet this week. And the reason for it? Well, it's over fears of stockpiling. Now, consideration was given uh, to providing the tests for free for those on the scheme, but the government fears people will stock up on tests even if they do not need them. So the reason is of stockpiling so those on the medical cards not getting free antigen tests and will have to pay. Uh, our, your views are welcome. 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Also, someone on WhatsApp is asking about the pop payment and says, can people apply for the pub payment if they can't get back to work over the virus? Not too sure what your situation is regarding that. Uh, from Citizens Information, they tell us that now the PUP is closed to new applicants. It closed to those uh, from July. I'm not too sure if you're already on it or if you are applying for it. If so, it's closed. But I think the best thing, considering the situations uh, and everybody is different, is to contact welfare.ie uh, or indeed ring your local social welfare office and they will have the question or the answer for you for your specific needs uh, but what we have got from citizens information is that it's closed now to new applicants so uh, I presume we are WhatsApp you are a new applicant and they're saying they are closed for new applicants but some good news because here at C103 we have got your Christmas covered. Yes, we're giving you some great prizes over the next few weeks and one of those is we're giving away Super Value gift cards worth a total of €5,000. Starting next Monday, C103's Christmas coverage is your chance to win a €500 festive shopping spree. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 weekdays to count down the Christmas bells and then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas covered with Super Value gift cards perfect for every occasion available in store or for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message search Super Value Gift Cards listen in from next Monday to win only here at C103 C103 Jobs and on today's job link, we have opportunities which include a general operative wanted for a cheese factory in Boherbui. You can email marguerite at ingredientsolutions.net. Irish yogurts in Clonakilty have vacancies for cold store operatives, general operatives and indeed dispatch operatives. You can email your applications to k.hurley at Irish 
yogurts.ie or phone 023-88-34745. And a butcher is required to work two to three days per week in McCroom. You can call Kieran on 087-2213-922 for further details. And you'll find these jobs and more now online. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And we spoke earlier with Thomas at the start of the show regarding the, well, antisocial behaviour really that took place over the weekend at the playground in Bandon and this kind of gooey substance that was left on the seesaw and the swings, which meant when he went along with his three-year-old Rory yesterday, he could not use any uh, anything there there was one slide I think he could use also there was some broken glass and he was just raising the issue of what is happening and why is this happening in his hometown of Abandon a lot of people have been on saying they're very annoyed and very disappointed at what has happened and something needs to be done uh, no one I know a lot of people are texting in about CCTV unless there's a private business uh, that has when it appears there is no CCTV in that area anyhow we are getting on to Cork and the council and see what they can do regarding that playground and also for those of you because it is radio so we described it as best we could we have pictures on the C103 socials you can check out uh, C103 Facebook for pictures of what exactly uh, Thomas was describing this morning regarding the playground in Bandon but and there's a lot of talk over the last week or so here on the programme regarding uh, energy cuts and blackouts, but also south of dock and people finding it hard to get to a doctor. Well, across the weekend, Cork East Deputy Sean Sherlock did tweet that he was contacted by a person who tried to get access to south dock in Cork City. And there was only one GP seemingly on call uh, for the city for that entire night. And uh, Cork East Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, John Paul. And Sean, I'll discuss regarding those energy blackouts very shortly, but just on the tweet you sent at the weekend, and we've heard so much about uh, GPs under pressure and the South Dock service under pressure. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And this was something that you tweeted because the person was waiting for a callback but told that there was only, for the size of Cork City, one GP on duty. That's right, John Paul. I received a text, uh, sorry, received a call uh, at the weekend just from somebody who was waiting for uh, access to South Dock uh, for a family member uh, where there was a very, very acute psychiatric uh, issue at at play that required uh, medical intervention. Uh, Subsequently, uh, that person did not receive a a call out from a GP, uh, but the person informed me that uh, she, you know, she was told effectively that there was only one uh, doctor uh, on on call for the entire city. That's what the person was told. Uh, I understand uh, just from. further contact with another doctor in the subsequent period that between 5 and 10 p.m. there would have been uh, up to five or six. I'm open to correction on that. uh, Doctors on call in the city uh, area. However, when you get into the early hours of of the morn, then that seems to be when the service uh, tapers back uh, significantly. Uh, I have a lot of sympathy for the people who work within the South Dock operation, you know, the drivers, the people who, you know, the nurses who triage, the administrative people, because it seems to me now that they are under massive pressure. And it seems to me that there does not seem to be the supply of doctors that are required to serve the population base. And it it also seems that there is a massive increase in presentations now from people, uh, particularly families with young children, where there is, uh, you know, quite a significant rise in the number of respiratory-related presentations. So I I think rather than blaming any one individual or set of individuals, I think what we need here now is some sort of a review, a real-time analysis of what the South Dock service is because if you think about it, it covers Cork and Kerry, uh, and then it, you have various cells covering various geographical areas of the county. And it seems to me that there's a you know just massive pressure on coming on the service at this point in time. The taxpayer does fund partially fund uh, the service. It is operated by a a company, uh, the HSE as I understand it, is represented on the board of that company. Again, I'm open to correction on that. But I I do strongly believe that, you know, government, the HSE, South Dock, HSE, in what I call the CHO4 area, which is the community organisation area, I think they need to come together now, John Paul, and I think they need to do an assessment of where there are gaps in the service. If it is the case that this is just down to a lack of supply of doctors. Well, then tell us that it is a lack of supply of doctors. I think we're all perceiving that that is the case, but we d- we need to find out what the facts are. And, it, you know, we're now in a situation where uh, we're being told vociferously, do not go to emergency departments. Uh, you know, they're to be avoided. Uh, you know, use your South Dock service. And I'm aware of another case where 
somebody did ring an accident and emergency. They were told to go to South Dock. When they rang South Dock, they were told to go to the accident and emergency in, in CUH. So there, there's a big issue here in relation to the pressures that are coming on the system. And we're all very familiar with the South Dock service. Many of us, you know, especially those of us with children and older relatives, you know, we would have, we'd be acutely aware of the uh, the, their availability, particularly in, as I call it, the wee early hours of the morning, where if you have a sick child and, and, and any engagement I've had with South Dock on a personal level has been absolutely excellent. But it seems to me that there are gaps in the system and that is putting massive pressure on the people who are delivering the service, as I said, be they GPs, nurses or administrative and driving staff. Uh, and, and there seems to be a gap there uh, in terms of the coverage of the geography that they're supposed to cover. And I, I think it needs to be reviewed now. I think there needs to be a serious look at this by the Department of Health through the Minister for Health and also by senior people within the HSE and by South Dock themselves to see if uh, something can be done to ensure that where there is the need for a doctor, such as in the case that I've outlined earlier, that that person would be guaranteed at a minimum at least a house call by AGP. Yeah, and I think the geography issue you speak about there is correct. When we've spoken to GPs, they have told us that they feel there's a, a huge change is needed for South Dock the way it operates because the simply the fact is they don't have enough GPs to be at all the centres. But how do they actually manage that then? So I think uh, we need to hear answers about that service. We certainly here have never got so many calls in relation to South Dock. So we'll see what comes back from that, Sean. Uh, what we initially brought you on this morning to discuss was something that we are also getting a lot of calls on, and this is regarding what we could see uh, no kind of definite answer that we will see but we could see electricity out, outages in many parts of the county and this is due to the warnings we've been given over the last number of months from Airgrid and others on the demand on the electricity service. Now the government has been urged to give a full picture on whether the electricity grid can handle the capacity across this winter and this is coming back, Sean, from something that, that was raised uh, over the last week or so, uh, and maybe we should have some kind of system alerts in place. Uh, tell me about this. Well, I, I was notified of the fact uh, recently that there had been a number of alerts put on the system uh, in the last 12 uh, months. So I, I asked the question of the minister, you know, had there been alerts and what were the nature of those alerts? I, I was told then in the reply that there were seven amber alerts. Now, there seems to be a traffic light system in place, but there's those of, those seven alerts clearly show that there were uh, such concerns on the system in terms of security of energy supply that it set off uh, these alerts. Uh, in relation to ensuring, uh, let's put it this way, there were issues in relation to whether or not you could guarantee security of energy supply on the national grid. So we do have a situation where we have proof now that certainly on seven occasions in the last 12 months or so, uh, that there has been sufficient concern about whether or not there was enough energy, enough electricity on the grid to be able to uh, meet demand. And it's clearly the case that there were concerns about that. The, the issue of security of energy supply is looming large because, you know, we, we have onshore wind. You see the wind turbines. 
Uh, you know, we've seen certain plants that were out of commission uh, over the last 12 months or so. Uh, and certainly, I think for the future, as demand for electricity grows, particularly as we move towards electric uh, vehicles or uh, fully electric vehicles, for instance, and we move away from diesel, then you're going to see an increased demand on the grid. The question then arises as to whether or not the grid is fit for purpose to be able to meet those uh, increased demands. I I would suggest that it's not going to be fit for purpose unless we have a radical uh, overview of, say, for instance, offshore wind energy, where, for instance, in Cork, you have entities like Simply Blue who are looking at floating offshore wind. They're doing what we call memoranda of understanding and forging new deals with global companies like Royal Dutch Shell to bring energy supply in off, for instance, the south and west coast of Ireland and using the Atlantic as a resource to meet the energy demands that are going to be there for the future. And I I spoke about this in the Dáil recently where I, I, we need to start encouraging those companies and making it as easy as possible for those companies to start bringing that energy on board. And if we're to meet the 2030 targets as laid down in COP26 uh, in terms of reducing our uh, dependence on fossil fuels, you know, then they're going to have to be part of the energy supply mix. However, in the intermediate period, we're still going to be relying on the importation of gas, and we're still going to be relying on a certain level of, of fossil fuels, and import that means importing, uh, you know, those those fossil fuels. So, what we do know is that there is evidence now of pressure coming on the grid. We're seeing massive fluctuations in energy prices, such that energy prices are absolutely skyrocketing, and that's having a major impact for for every single household throughout the country. And until such time as we can start thinking about security of energy supply, it seems to me that we're going to be going through periods of time whereby there's going to be massive fluctuations in terms of uh, whether or not you you can guarantee uh, energy security of energy supply at a given time for the demand that is there. And I think that's why, for instance, I think government needs to look at something like VAT freezes or moratoriums, for instance, on you know, the, the moratorium for cutting off electricity for people, for instance, you know, where, where where energy prices are skyrocketing, where people are under pressure to pay their bills, you know, that moratorium needs to be introduced as an as a, an immediate measure. But I also think that we're going to have to start looking at uh, the VAT, a VAT freeze on on energy prices as well o- over the next while. And, and there's no reason why government, given that it is subsidising so much at present in terms of its intervention in the economy, uh, could not look at that particularly for vulnerable households. But the, the key component of all of this is that we have the capability to use offshore wind energy as part of our energy supply mix. And I think the, the only way you're going to get to that point is that you, you, you encourage those companies and you make it easy and right easy for them to get access to the grid. And right now, we need to get more farmers onto the grid because farmers have the capacity to use solar energy, uh, you know, through their holdings to sell energy onto the grid. We've wind and wave, which needs to be done. And I don't think there is uh, the... Well, well, I don't think there is the sense of urgency about uh, those issues. Uh, you know, we're hearing a lot about COP26, but we need to hear more from 
government about how we're going to make it as seamless as possible for people yeah. to get access to the grid. Yeah, because Tom and Bantry is saying, why are we not tapping into the hydro energy which is available off all our coasts across around all the coastlands in the country? We should be using that more, says Tom and Bantry. And I suppose the issue of the power stations, I mean, Whitegate was closed. I think that's due to come back anyway into full capacity this week. So with more power stations, you would hope that would help. But again, it goes back to the spotlight, I suppose, and the data centres. So while, while more power centres will be reopening, you still have the issue of data centres in this country. Absolutely, and and I understand people's concerns about data centres, but if we are all uh, exponentially increasing the amount of data that we consume, so every time you're on your smartphone, every time you're on your smart TV, every time you're on your laptop, it's creating data, uh, and data is growing exponentially, and it's growing at a massive rate, you know, terabyte after terabyte. We used to talk about megabytes and gigabytes. Now we're talking about terabytes. But that's down to, you know, personal consumption. And it's also down to the amount uh, that, uh, you know, data, as they say, as as David Stanton, my colleague, when I was talking to him the other day about data centres, he referred to data as as the new gold rush, because it's how data is interpreted and how it's used by commercial interests to, to sell you more goods and services effectively or how we interpret data for health outcomes and for other such, uh, you know, societal goals and so on. Uh, But data centres are a function of individual use and companies' use of data. So unless we taper down in terms of our usage of our own personal devices, then there's going to be a massive, you know, that's the only way you're going to reduce that demand. And and that's a a big, big issue to deal with. Uh, However, in relation to security of energy supply, which I think is the key thing here, for instance, we're setting up a new, you know, the government is setting up a new maritime uh, regulatory agency in Wexford. They're saying that that's going to start in 2023, as I understand it. However, if you wanted to set out a, a platform uh, for global or floating wind energy, you know, and you have global companies that are coming in and they want to use the southwest coast to do that, to bring the energy on to meet the needs of the grid. If you're being told that you won't be able to do that until 2025 or 2026 or even into 2028, it does dampen down the enthusiasm for these companies to become involved. Yeah, and they go elsewhere. And they'll go elsewhere, and, and we're seeing evidence of them going elsewhere already. And that's why I think, for instance, we in Cork, in this great county of ours, you know, when you talk about Whitegate, you know, you talk about, you know, that region down there being, you know, the, a key driver for energy consumption and provision for the entire state. Uh, you know, and if we could, if we had the ambition of bringing a lot of that offshore floating wind energy, you know, into places like Cork so that you could fuel the grid. And and it's going to be done and using the port of Cork and, uh, you know, as a key reference point, a global reference point again for sub-supplying, you know, machinery and and other component parts that you need to ship out to these floating uh, energy banks and so on. You know, there's massive potential there. But I don't sense the urgency and that's the key point here. Mm. We can tackle security of energy supply but there needs to be greater urgency to do it and we need to look at this with the same urgency that we look at climate action for instance. And again I go back to the point about farmers. Farming in this country has a massive potential to be able to sell uh, energy into the grid. Solar is 
proven as a concept. It's proven as a concept in Ireland. If you look at the massive solar arrays that you could put on the countless outhouses and farm buildings throughout this country, you know, feed that into the grid community energy projects feeding into community energy supply. It can be done and it's been proven to work because we've seen it work in other countries. And very briefly, Sean, when, while we're mentioning all of this and, and it's all well that something could be put in place, have there any contingency plans across the winter in advance that we could have a blackout? I mean, if that does happen, what plans have we in place? Well, th- that remains to be seen. Um, I haven't heard from government uh, what their plan is in the event of security, uh, in, in the event of there being what we call brownouts, where you have dips in electricity uh, supply, or in the event of blackouts. You know, where will the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, the CRU, is telling us that they've put in, they're putting in place or have put in place contingency plans. Government is telling us that there are contingency plans, uh, you know, in operation as well. But we, do, I have not seen the evidence of what those plans are. Uh, you know. On a cold day like today where energy consumption increases, uh, you know, you're obviously going to be relying more on fossil fuels to, to secure uh, your energy supply because you're, you're not going to be relying on uh, on wind energy because there's a storage issue there. So, you know, I'm not convinced that there is a proper plan in place, or certainly we haven't seen the evidence of what that plan is. And I think what it will ultimately amount to, once we once we do see the evidence of it, because we will have to in a transparent way see what that amounts to, it means probably importing more coal uh, and, and, and probably more uh, fossil fuels. And I think that's, you know, that's not the way we should be doing our security of energy supply. In the short term, that's what has to be done because I'm realistic and I realise that you have to rely on diesel and you have to rely on coal to supply energy to people's homes and cars. But I think the transition, uh, if it can be done in a quicker way, I think that that would suit everybody. I think it would help us meet our targets as well. And very finally, Sean, this is something that came up in the programme over the last two weeks and it's to the annoyance of a lot of people who travel and commute daily between Cork and Mallow out of the Mallow railway station. It's to do with the leap cards and the fact that everything is in place within the railway station in Mallow, but people can't physically use the leap card. We did contact the, uh, first of all, Irish Rail, who said it's the National Transport Authority. Uh, then they came back and more or less said in a smart way that, well, things are in place. So that kind of answers your question but then we have to go back to them again and tell them that yeah while everything is there people can't use the service and are paying higher than those in other areas of Cork and indeed in other areas of the country uh, is there any timeline now on when people commuting from Mallow to Cork will be allowed and will be able to avail of those lower fares and use their leap cars there is still no timeline and uh, those machines have been in situ in Mallow station for uh, I think for it's a couple of years at this stage and I, I'm a regular user of the train. I go up to Dublin, come down from Dublin, I use the train every week to get to Dublin. So I've seen those machines. Uh, so there's nothing new there in the fact that the machines are uh, in place but they need to be enabled. The Minister Eamon Ryan stated uh, on Budget 2022 when he announced it uh, a couple of, a number of weeks ago, basically said that they're going to introduce new fare structures for uh, under 23. Uh, but he said that they're not going to be brought into play until uh, the autumn of next year. Uh, again, putting that on the long finger. Uh, we're being told that 
revenues are holding fairly steady in relation to, uh, you know, fair structures, uh, that there wasn't major pressure coming on, on fares or revenues coming into Irish Rail. So I don't see what the justification is for not putting in place a leap service, because as I've said before, I can go from Bray to Pier Station in Dublin, uh, pay a, a few a few euros for the privilege of doing that, but I, I can't go from Mallow or even Charleville to Cork. I have to pay full fares. And it's just what I would call discriminatory at this stage. And if there was some provision in law that would allow you as a commuter in Cork to challenge this, believe me, I'm finding a way if I can. You know, but there's, there, it's, you're, you're being discriminated against on the basis that uh, you you live in a certain place, and I think it's unfair of commuters uh, outside of the towns, outside of the cities like Cork, to have to pay, uh, you know, uh, full fares or student fares yeah. for their and especially when there's no answers, to, and, and there's no answers coming at the same time. I don't. I, I, I the longer I go on with this campaign, and I'm going to stay on this campaign, I'm very determined about it because I think that there needs to be equality as between those people who live on the eastern seaboard of this country and those people who live in places like Cork and Kerry, where you're trying to get access to either whether it's a university or a Munster Technological University or an apprenticeship course or whatever it is, or you're trying to get access to work, for instance, if you're forced to work in Cork and you don't work from home and so on. You know, you should be entitled to have the same fair structures as somebody who lives in Wicklow who's commuting into Pearson Dublin for yeah. instance it and makes it no make, sense it makes it I don't, should, why, why they're not giving answers or why they're not explaining it is even is even more strange I find when you know if they don't if they have a date we'll just come out and say it but there's the lack of communication yeah, I, I think that it's, it's a lack of urgency and uh, you know I mean I had the situation in the doll you had the surreal uh, you know a picture of I pulling out my leap card and the minister sitting opposite me in the dolls putting out his leap card and, and giving me an undertaking that he would certainly take a look at leap services in North Cork. But, uh, you know, that it's a long time since uh, that happened. I, I, I think this is the one thing about the Greens that I find is they're very good at aspirational stuff. But when it gets down to the detail and the implementation, then there seems to be a gap. And I don't mean to be unkind about that. I mean, if you were really serious about getting people out of their cars and encouraging people into trains and public transport, you'd be making the fare structures so competitive that there would it would be a very easy choice for them. And particularly for younger people, I think, who rely heavily, uh, you know, who don't have cars, need to use public transport uh, and and that train journey up to Cork for them is a vital train journey because they have to use the train to get to Cork and make it competitive for people, make it competitive as well for people who are working, who don't want to be getting into their cars every day, who are now faced with massive increases in fuel prices. And if you had a very competitive fare structure on public transport, you know, it would be a very easy jump for them yeah. to make into public transport. It would. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's, I just think it's so strange that when you when you even contact the National Transport Authority, they don't seem to know much about it and then they don't come back with answers. Anyhow, we'll wait and see uh, what happens on that, Sean, for the moment. Thanks for joining us this morning. That is Cork East, the deputy, Sean Sherlock. We have a number of texts and indeed calls in regarding the energy situation we spoke about there before midday. I'll get to those also on other topics we've been discussing this morning on the show. But it did return last night and it really sums up the time of the year when this appears back on our screens, doesn't it, really? 
Yes, I'm a Celebrity is back. And last night in one of the first trials, we saw Richard Madeley and Frankie Bridge. They were the first contestants to face those creepy crawlies on this year's I'm a Celebrity. The TV presenter and Saturday singers, they had to face the fears that they have of heights. And they did that because they received the most votes from the public. Well, anyhow, Frankie uh, came out there on top and they, uh, because of that, they got their uh, earning of food and indeed a nice bed. But one man who has been watching for us last night when it came back on our screens is Thomas Cross in our Dublin studio. Uh, we know him as Crossy. Afternoon to you, Crossy. How are you? I am fine. Now, you're a big fan of this um, and a lot of people here in, in, in our building this morning were saying the same thing. They're fans. But this is the second year in a row that it's not in Australia and it's gone from the jungle again to the castle. Do you feel that works? Do you know what? I'm happy that it's on. I'm happy that, you know, we've got something to watch. I love that the fact that every single one of us, nine o'clock most nights now, from now for the next three weeks, can sit down, watch something all together, tweet about it, Instagram about it, do all that sort of stuff, and you kind of feel like you're part of it. But, I don't know, imagine signing up for I'm a Celebrity, and then them telling me you're going to Wales and you're not going to Sydney. It's kind of, there's something about it, isn't there? You're kind of going, oh... Maybe well, somewhere a bit more warmer would be a, night, a tad bit better. And you kind of get the experience rather than being wet and cold and sleeping on the ground in Wales. Well, that's true. You will be disappointed when you find out you're going to take part in the show and you won't be in warmer climates. But uh, I suppose at least, as you say, it's going ahead. I mean, there's, there's few shows nowadays, apart from sport, that we can all sit down and watch together. And I think it is sport and reality TV uh, that has the, the huge audiences on TV. And because of this, they try and bring in, bring in as many big names as they can. What do you make of the celebs this year? Do you know what, right? It, cause we, were, we were talking about this earlier on with Seth and the lads and work. It's different this year because they're not really going after reality stars anymore. You know, True. they seem yeah. to be sports people. They're they're soap people. They're people who are like Richard Madeley. He's like the Alan, everyone knows him as, you know, is Alan Partridge based off him. People know who he is. You know, Richard and Judy would have been on TV, what, 20 years together yeah, on yeah. this morning. So I think they're going for that. I think they've realized, you know, the younger audience who want to see, you know, like big TikTok stars or whatever, it's not translating to TV. So the I'm a Celeb bosses are like, you know what, let's just go for the people who watch TV and let's get the people who are in TV on it. And yeah. I think that's what they've done this year. Like with the soap stars, look, there's a rumor that Ian Beale from EastEnders and... Um, Steve McDonald from Corrie are going to be in it by next week. So, like, that's two massive, massive stars that are, you know, that people know them. Even if you don't watch Coronation Street or EastEnders, everyone knows who Steve is and Ian Beale is. So, that ticks two massive boxes. So, it'll be interesting to see if that does happen because I know last year people did come in quite late as well. So, I'd say that could be poss- another big possibility for them as well. And a good mix, as you say, you're going from sports to TV to soaps to, I mean, you have different age groups as well. Matty Lee is in there. And then we have Frankie Bridge from the Saturdays. I mean, they're all well known. And as you mentioned there, Richard Madeley would be a favourite, uh, I think, across both the UK and Ireland, from TV from those days of Richard and Judy on this morning and on that Channel 4 show as well. And then the likes of Olympians and David Ginola and Imadil. So it does work as, as a good mix there of people. I mean, uh, watching last night, do you believe they'll all be fun to watch? We, it usually takes a few days before they all bed in and they kind of get to know each other. But uh, from the first get go, is there something do you think that, that will hook us? Do you know what? I actually think they're a bit more ratty this year <laughs> compared to last year. Yeah. And you can just see a tiny bit of it. Like, I'm sorry, but um, Danny Miller, Aaron from Emmerdale. Yeah. 
you don't sign up to a TV show if you're terrified of heights, you're terrified of snakes. You've got a gagging issue where you, you just see as soon as he was in it, must have been five minutes into the journey and he had a sick bag. I'm kind of going, come on now. Like, yeah, you, you know you, what's ahead of you. You don't go to a carvery and then expect you want rice. You know, you want your spuds, you want your chicken, you want all that. So and I, also, you mentioned Danny there. I mean, I don't know if you saw the very final of last night. They he's picked for the challenge for tonight, and it involves eating. It's in a diner, so it's going to involve eating some type of creepy crawlies. And he he nearly broke down in tears. Now you know, no one would like to be eating creepy crawlies, as you say. He knew what he was doing. I just wonder when you mentioned the ratty, will we see infighting within the camps? Because I know beforehand, Richard Madeley said that he, uh, he couldn't understand why people would turn on a face and not be happy if they were going to do a challenge like that. I wonder, will we see a bit of argy-bargy? Yeah, I'll give you the ones. I was looking at this last night and I was kind of, I'm, I, I love when I watched the very first episode I'm very much about, you know, I wonder who's going to win, who's, who's going to be the first out, who's going to walk. I think Arlene Phillips is going to cause hell in there. I think herself, David, G- David Ginola, mm. I think Danny as well. I think those three are the ones to watch. Maybe Naughty Boy. I think Naughty Boy is going to probably going to have a breakdown in there. I don't think he's uh, he's been used to anything like that before. I think Arlene Phillips. I, I just think she's like I don't care. I'm doing this for the money. I'm having the crack. But did you see last night when when she was doing her trial with David? That the the string and the 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 piece of metal that she was trying to put through the hole wasn't going there, and she got really agitated. Within a half a second, I was like, wow, this is your first challenge. You're not even in the castle yet, and you're snapping at somebody already. So I would say she is probably going to be the one to watch to cause the drama. I'd say Danny Miller, I think people are going to, you know, probably find it endearing the first, maybe first and second time he does a challenge. I'd say tonight, it's called the dreaded diner, sorry, the dreaded dinner. I'd say tonight, they're going to find it endearing. They're going to laugh. They're going to go, oh, this is gas. Then they're going to vote him again. And then again, and I think after that, people might start, he might start turning on people. I think people will start seeing him going, you know, screw this, how dare everyone, and start being moody to people. I think probably the out, the outshining star in it, and I think the winner so far, in my eyes, is probably going to be the diver, Matty Lee. I've been watching a few interviews with him. He's a cheeky chappy. I think the British public love him. Irish public, I probably wouldn't know who he is. But I think he's got that Jordan North sort of ethic yeah. about him who won it last year. I would be very surprised if either himself or Frankie aren't in the final two. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I mean, they, they, both of those are coming across like that and, and very similar to over the years, as you mentioned, Jordan North last year. Uh, and I, I think they'll grow over time as well. They, you know, they haven't jumped into any major challenge yet. I know Frankie did last night, but I think we'll see more of them. And plus, I suppose we know a lot about the likes of Louise. You know, she was on BBC Breakfast for years. Uh, the likes of Frankie, you know, sh- she's been on TV for years telling her stories. Richard Midley and Judy are very open about their lives over the last 20 years. So, I suppose we know what to expect from those, but it's like a Matty and Naughty Boy and others people will look on to see, well, what are they really like behind the scenes? Well, what is Danny Miller, Aaron and Emmerdale really, really like? And that's the best That's the best bit I love. Like, I would hope that, you know, Danny will sit down around the fire and start talking about Emmerdale and mm. telling us secrets about stuff like that. You know what, Naughty Boy, people would probably know a lot of his songs. Like, he has, he has collabed with, you know, Beyonce, Emily Sanday. Some of his songs are just are out there, but you'd never really know him. I know he had a massive row with Zayn Malik years ago, and that was the only thing I remember him for. I was like, I remember he had a massive spot. So I think that'll be good for his career, if he's in there and, you know, you get to see the real guy. You know, I know that some people were slagging him 
that he, he was still using the name Naughty Boy in there. You know, Arlene Phillips, 78 years of age, and Richard Madley, coming, hello, Naughty Boy, instead of, his real name is Shah. So <laughs> that'll be interesting to see if they keep it up, calling him Naughty Boy the whole way through it. Yeah, well, he's using his brand, I suppose, because a lot of the reason they go in there, they're go- they want to use their brand. So he's going to yeah. build on that, I'm sure, uh, following I'm a Celebrity. Now, uh, the big talking points, and it's very early days for this, but you, you more or less touched on it there with Matty and Frankie. Do you think those are, could somebody else shine through for King and Queen of the Jungle? A lot of it will go down, of course, to those who are voting. Yeah, do you know what? I'd say it's all, got, I, I think people will for comedic references will keep voting either Danny or Richard to do any of the stunts. I think I think both of them, I think Richard madely kinds of, you know, he's teed himself up for this. He's one of these people, you know that when you're in school there's always one of those messers that you always wanted to see doing things. I think Richard Madeley's gonna be that person if Danny you know, if he messes up tonight's challenge. I and, you know, it's not funny, I'd say they're gonna turn to Richard on that. I'm just looking at the list here. Snooty, she's a radio DJ in the UK. I don't know if she's going to do much. I, I really don't. Kadina, she's the Paralympian. She's fantastic. Yeah. I'd say herself and Sarah will probably get midway. Uh, David Ginola, I don't know. He's either going to go two ways. He is either going to be really, really angry and annoyed at people. I'd say himself and Richard could be, you know, the two older lads. The bromance there? Yeah, or or could it go the other way? Could there be like, you know, there's no room for one of these people in, in this camp, you know? Is it going to be just one father figure in it? And is it going to be Richard or is it going to be David? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, yeah. as you say, Richard will be up for anything he's done. I mean, the 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 stuff they've done on this morning over the years, uh, dressing up as the various artists and jumping off maps on, on the Albert Dock in Liverpool and everything like that, it, it shows that he is up for anything. Will David be dissimilar? We haven't seen that side of him in real life yet, so we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be interesting, and it's always interesting for the first few days. Uh, Crossy, I'm sure we'll touch base with you again over the next three weeks for the moment. Thanks for joining us. Brilliant. Talk Thanks. You Thank you. That's uh, Thomas Cross. We know him as Crossy from our uh, Dublin studios of FM 104. And we'll have to wait and see what happens, I suppose, over the next few weeks. If you are a fan of I'm a Celebrity, it's always interesting to get people's views on TV shows because I have a number of people here who say, no, I can't stand I'm a Celebrity, says Liz. And then I have a number of people who say, like Marion, I love I'm a Celebrity. It's great. We all sit down, the family that is, and watch it every single night. It's very rare now that we all sit down together and watch live TV so I'm a fan says Marion on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103 a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we've been discussing this morning I will get to those very shortly The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie And Ballyhara Development, they will host four weeks of arts and crafts in the Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donneril that will start this afternoon at three o'clock. And the Alzheimer's Society in Mallow are fundraising for their new building and they are asking you to support Billy O'Connell's Texas Hold'em card game. And that's going ahead on New Year's Day. And it's in Mallow GA Complex on New Year's Day and it starts there at 4pm. Plenty notice on this one. Cash prizes and hampers and offer as well. Tickets are €20 on all programs 
proceeds go towards the new daycare centre in Mallow. And Cronin Electrical in Coolmain and Kilbritton have a Christmas lights display each day from 4pm to 11pm. It's an aid of CUH Charity Fund and donations are welcome. You can do so on site or indeed online to idonate.ie forward slash Christmas light. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And earlier we were discussing energy prices and what we could see is blackouts across uh, some areas of the country across the winter. Hopefully not and measures are due to be taken anyhow. But on that there is a lot of talk on connectivity and offshore wind farms and wind turbines and a lot of people have mixed views on this. First of all, a texter here is saying hopefully the planning for the Celtic in connector will be approved in January says this person and those people who are objecting to us are ignored because as I can see now this critical piece of much needed infrastructure is needed so hopefully it will get to go ahead says that person and I know there's a lot of um, discontent and people who are worried about that and there's been protests and campaigns for that not to go ahead in certain areas of East Cork we'll have to wait and see also on a text uh, a text are here saying wind turbines are for the sea not the land our skyline is ruined beautiful green fields Ireland is gone next we will have mudslides and turbine graveyards like in America they can't be recycled houses are not allowed now be built in these areas because it would ruin the skyline but those horrible unsightly things are allowed says a texter and also on WhatsApp someone saying the energy gang should use Bob Dylan's song blowing in the wind in their adverts well What a lot of us think would suit that crowd more is another Bob Dylan song, Masters of War, the trouble they have caused for families and communities with their stupid and hazardous turbines is something terrible in my area, says that person on WhatsApp. While Liam is in Brough and he feels the ESB network should be obliged to incorporate community generators in rural areas and there will be no blackouts if that wants to happen, says Liam. While Niamh, uh, on the issue of offshore uh, wind turbines, Niamh says, I hope those sea turbines won't be visible from the coast. Otherwise, we will all be like those communities in that TV series last year. The southwesterlies maybe offshore is the solution, but make sure it's offshore. Otherwise, we will have similar disputes like those on land have when it comes to wind turbines, says Niamh. On text to 0862 103 103. And John was on to us earlier. We discussed at the very start of the show the concerns for the future of Ballincollig Fire Station and this is where at the moment the fire station is lying idle it's now being serviced from Anglesey Street and John was asking are firefighters who are retained do they get paid are they paid monthly or how does it work well a firefighter who is based in West Cork has uh, phoned in to us with the details and uh, this person says that they get paid a retainer monthly and also get a call out rate for the day time and extra for night time and weekend and what on that call that person said the Ballincollig Fire Service people who had been there all along for many years got a bad time from the county when the five men went from Ballincollig into the city area they had to retrain as it was considered their training was not up to scratch even though the training was the same says that firefighter who contacted us this morning so uh, the payment we've explained but also 
uh, the retraining was there a need for that uh, just because you're moving from one local authority area uh, to another local authority area and we discussed the prize bonds earlier as well and we did receive a statement from the prize bonds people wondering were they was there any winners for the prize bonds and we got a statement because this was something that took off on the show on Friday and people were saying they never heard of winners and then others came back saying yes they did hear of winners and I know the prize bonds said that they had a winner in Cork in the last month and Joan is in for Moy and Joan says well uh, for her she got eight wins in one year from prize bonds so there we are proves there are winners but she said this year she had only one win and they encouraged her to get more prize bonds instead of the 50 euro prize and they were not happy to pay out the money uh, says Joan in Fermoy well that was her feeling on that that they weren't happy to pay out the 50 euros and wanted her to invest further in prize bonds but she's had wins uh, before from then and won this year so it just I suppose shows there is winners but still uh, within that they were encouraging her to reinvest her money back into prize bonds and uh, prize bonds themselves were listening to us and they did issue a statement to say that there was winners in Cork over the last while and from last week, uh, there was a prize bond star prize of €50,000 and that goes to somebody in County Cork because that's where the prize bond is held. And if you have the number on your bond, LY501310, then you are that lucky winner. So there is uh, winners there for prize bonds is just uh, trying to find the winners I think but they, they are certainly winning on prize bonds from what we're hearing and um, regarding antigen testing and we spoke earlier about that and the fact that they are going to reducing the price for those now and the government will be uh, creating a subsidy so it'll be cheaper for everybody to purchase well Mary says I heard you mention the danger of stockpiling antigen tests and this was regards to someone who was asking will those in the medical card receive them for free uh, no they're, they're not going doing that because they're uh, fearful of stockpiling so anyhow on that issue uh, Mary says roll on or roll out now of these antigen tests uh, is the way to go or maybe not because she heard Dr. Favier being interviewed earlier and she mentioned where the antigen tests have given the wrong results in the case of one man he had a negative test five times from the antigen tests and one PCR test proved positive so I wonder is it misuse or not used at the correct time of showing symptoms asks Mary and there's a number of people who are asking for some type of video or, or public campaign to be used to show how people can use those antigen tests because a lot of it could be down to misuse. Now, they don't, I mean, they have come out and said they're not 100%, but at the same time, they give a fair indication if someone is uh, positive or not for COVID-19. Uh, but regarding the issue of being negative, maybe uh, there should be some type of campaign video-wise so people know exactly on how they use it. You're right, Mary, because it could be misuse or it could be used at the wrong time when the person was feeling okay uh, and I suppose it depends on the situation than other person so thank you Mary for your WhatsApp yes it, uh, it is something that a lot of people uh, would agree with at this stage some video needs to be issued on how uh, you use the uh, antigen test because not everybody is 100% sure and a text in from a person who wants to know if you have an, had an Irish licence driving licence that is and it expired and you're now living in the UK uh, and of course you have a UK licence when this person comes back to Ireland I presume 
when you mean you're returning to Ireland that you're coming back here to live and then you're coming back to drive on the UK licence is that okay well if we are moving back to Ireland uh, what has to happen is first of all in Ireland the UK driving licence is no longer recognised in Ireland so you need to exchange your licence for an Irish licence and as soon as you come back do that as soon as possible because you cannot exchange a UK licence if it has been expired for more than one year now you will continue to be licensed during the exchange process and the National Driving Licence Service they will give you a receipt to confirm that you are exchanging your licence if you're confirmed or worried about being stopped by Gardaí or anything but if you're coming back to Ireland on a permanent basis uh, the message is simply once you return exchange your licence as soon as possible because the more it goes on if your licence expires or it's more than one year then you'll have to basically start from scratch again and that's the last thing anybody wants to do and uh, if, if the person here who's in third level in college uh, from this text and this is going back to the issue of COVID uh, this person is saying that the government are telling us to cut back on close contacts teachers are telling us COVID is raging in classrooms and colleges are saying students have to cram together in a hall and do our exams what about us no mention of third level students where is Simon Harris in all of this so uh, third level students not happy not too sure whereabouts you are going to college but not happy at the situation with in the third level colleges when you hear of the primary schools secondary schools and overall Neffet telling us to cut our close contacts and then you have according to this third level student going to a college and to do their exams uh, they'll all be crammed in together to do those exams um, thank you for your text a lot more uh, texts and whatsapps into us as well I see one in regarding the farmer protest that was held at the weekend in Dublin uh, we'll be discussing that tomorrow on the show so we'll bring those comments over to the show tomorrow regarding the issue of those uh, IFA protests held in Dublin yesterday uh, but on text uh, text here is saying Hi John Paul can you say well done to the Canturk hurling team who won the final yesterday what a fantastic team well done lads bring on the football is the message so well done to all in Canturk there Your nutritional questions are welcome Annalisa joins us next 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Want to know what's happening in Cork? You're in the right place This is Cork Today on C103. And hi to Margaret who's asking about the Cork the Limerick bus stopping at New Two Pot House is a stopping. I know that's something that came up in the show a few weeks ago and we'll check in on that for you Margaret and bring you a definite answer on that on tomorrow's show. And hi to Dee who says did I hear correctly about over 60s and the booster jabs for them being given at City Hall? Yes you did. The booster COVID-19 vaccinations for the over 60s. It's available today at the vaccination centre at Cork City Hall. It's on a walk basis until 4 o'clock this afternoon. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com And Annalisa Drizel joins us with our nutritional advice as she does usually every Monday from the Health Hub in Ballincollig. Good afternoon to you Annalisa. Good afternoon John Paul. And how are things in Ballincollig today? Beautiful sunny weather. Isn't it? Glorious, yeah. Gets the mood in a a good way with the blue skies and the sunny weather. Anyhow, let's get into a lot of questions into us today, Annalisa. And first of all, uh, this on WhatsApp from somebody, uh, and she's 39 years old, but it's regarding migraines. And she says she's had a baby three months ago and she's getting migraines sometimes, almost always, where she can't see out her left eye. She gets tingling, pins and needles in her hands and her tongue and indeed a severe headache. Now, she's taking 
including Pregnacare post-pregnancy and Maca supplements. Now, would you recommend anything else she could take? And she got a really bad migraine on Friday and is still feeling all form due to that migraine on Friday today. So migraines have, are a difficult one, John Paul, because there's lots of different triggers. But the, the first question I would ask would, for, of this lady is that have the migraines gotten worse um, since pregnancy, since she had the baby? So could there be a hormonal link? Um, and in previous times, if she had migraines, would they have been coming up to her period, her menstrual period? So if they're hormonal, you need to kind of support um, hormone balance and liver. Actually, anything to do with headaches, liver often plays a big part, as we all know, after a night out on the tear. Our heads are usually hurting as well. So taking something like milk thistle is very good, and particularly for hormone balance and hormone detoxification, the sulfur type of nutrients are very good. So you could take sulfur or you could take um, N-acetylcysteine, which is a wonderful... Actually, N-acetylcysteine is a big one getting a lot of attention at the moment, John Paul, for COVID. It's really, really good for anything to do with the chest as well. And it's spelled with a capital N. And then acetyl, A-C-E-T-Y-L, and cysteine, C-Y-S-T-E-I-N-E. Another one as well for hormonal imbalance um, of the li- for, to support the liver is called DIM, D-I-M. And you'll get those in any health shop. So that's the first type of trigger could be hormonal. A second one um, that's worth trying is to take 400 milligrams of riboflavin every day as a preventative. Now, that would be safe even while breastfeeding because vitamin B is water-soluble, so it will be gotten rid of. Um, Riboflavin is vitamin B2. And for some people, taking this is an absolute miracle, can prevent the onset of of migraines, but you do need to take it every day. So they'd be the two avenues I'd pursue at the beginning. Sometimes magnesium can be very good as well. Um, That would be more... And the thing that struck me there as well, John Paul, was that she said she's tingling in her hands. So I'm wondering... Is there something posturally that she's doing that's trapping a nerve in her neck that's causing a tingling and numbness in her hand and then triggering a migraine? So that could be something else to take a look. And magnesium is very good for anything muscly. Okay, hopefully that uh, helps to the the WhatsApp are there uh, regarding that. And something else, we've got a lot of calls and texts in today, Annalisa. This is to do with sleeping and people who are stressed. And Mary Mallow has a daughter who is doing her leaving cert this year. And she's finding it hard to sleep at night, waking up in the middle of the night and is stressed. What would you recommend, says Mary Mallow. And I have a number of other people who aren't in the leaving cert, but are working and are in the same position. Yeah, I think, look, you know what, John Paul, in the last couple of years, we have sold uh, way more stress and sleep remedies than I have in my seven years in business here because COVID really has caused an awful lot of stress for people and anxiety. And as well, young girls going through leaving started putting a huge amount of pressure on themselves and young boys to, to get very high results. So what I would suggest for the, the Leaving Cert student is to support yourself every day by taking something like um, Higher Nature's Balance for Nerves. It's a great one just for um, helping support you through a stressful cycle, but it's also very, very good for kids that are studying because there's L-theanine in there, which is brilliant to promote focus, so it's great for studying. So that's the higher nature balance for nerves. At night time then, the most popular one for sleep is the Dormazan um, by Dr. Vogel. It's it's, It's a combination of valerian and hops, and that's always the first thing to try if you're having difficulty sleeping. Most natural sleep remedies won't actually put you to sleep, but what they do is they work on the whole stress um, hormones to bring them down and bring everything back into balance so that you're nice and calm and can get a natural sleep. 
So the Dormazan Valerian is very good. We're also getting great feedback on a brand called uh, by a company called NHP Natural Health Practice, and it's called Sleep Support. That's getting excellent feedback from our customers. And the last thing I talk about there is the cannabis oil. So CBD oil is wonderful for a very quick fix. It works within about five or ten minutes to take the edge off anxiety or for the busy brain if you're lying in bed at night and the brain is going, going. Typically, that four o'clock wake up, John Paul, I, it happens to me myself if I'm stressed. It's always half three, four o'clock I wake up and then the brain kicks off, the adrenaline kicks in and you're just overthinking. So a drop of cannabis oil under the tongue then is very good just to get you back into that sort of sleep mood and drift off again naturally. And hopefully that helps a lot of people who who were in that situation. Another texter here is asking Annalisa, lavender oils and, and lavender, which you've mentioned before as well, could that help for sleep at night time? Yeah, some people find it fantastic. I suppose the ones I've mentioned there, John Paul, are the heavy duty ones. Yeah. Lavender, I think, is good, especially if there's young children. You could put lavender in a bath and you can put lavender in a tissue and keep it under your pillow um, and you can burn it as well. It's lovely. Mm. It's definitely a help. I find for a lot of people, though, that when they're stressed, lavender just isn't strong enough. But definitely, I mean, it smells lovely, so incorporate it into your nightly routine. And there's other things around sleep hygiene as well, which is don't watch TV right up until the time you go to bed. Don't be on your computer or your laptop or your phone. Stop all social media at least an hour or two before you go to bed. Don't have anything electric or any lights on in your room, you know, that could be distracting Mm. you. Those LED lights can keep you awake. So if you Google sleep hygiene, a lot of those tips will come up. Okay, and another question here for you, Annalisa. This person has a seven-year-old and she cannot get him to eat anything healthy. All he wants is chips, pizza and more. She's at her wit's end with him. Now she says, I make him lunch and I make him a sandwich and give him fruit, etc. But then when he comes home, he brings it home again. So is there anything uh, that we can, I suppose, entice him to eat healthy? So it's often not just, it's not a biological deficiency or anything that puts kids off. Lots of kids go through these phases of not wanting to eat healthy foods and it can be very frustrating for parents. So the first bit of advice, I think, is to keep presenting the healthy foods because it's very easy to give in and just give them what they want because you're worried that they won't get enough nutrition. So I think make sure that you're still presenting the healthy foods because, you know, eventually they'll get, they'll, they'll come to and They'll, break you, they'll form good healthy eating habits and in the meantime then you can support them there's a great um, like if, if the kids like smoothies there's a great product called it's by a company called Terra Nova and it's called Sneaky Greens so it's a kind of a powder product that you can put into a smoothie or you could put into a milkshake or disguise it and it's full of lots of um, extracts of ve- vegetables so they're getting the natural vitamins and minerals that, they, that they're missing from not eating those in their diet so that's the sneaky greens. We're also I'm also a big fan of the animal parade because kids love them. They come in a gummies and they come in a chewable. Um, it's by a company called Nature's Plus and the range is called Animal Parade for Kids. And again, they're very good quality um, multivitamins that will just make sure at least that they're getting the vitamins and minerals that growing bodies need. The only thing I would suggest maybe that could be worth in terms of trying a nutrient would be a little bit of iron or a little bit of zinc because the deficiency of either of those can make people have a poor appetite. But if kids will eat junk like gusto, it's nothing to do with their appetite. It's just fussy eaters. Okay, Brida has a five-year-old daughter who has an extremely poor appetite and as a result is picking up every cold and bug that is going around. So any good uh, tonic or supplements that would help her with her immune system? Yeah, 
definitely go back to the iron and zinc there, I think. So there is a tonic for kids called uh, Floridix. Um, it's a very, very easy iron to take. It comes in a kind of a juice flavor, an orange juice flavor. So it's really, really easy for kids to take. So that would be a good one, especially if kids are not good at eating red meat or green leafy vegetables because they're probably not getting enough iron. So the Floridix, and then I would add a zinc to that. So you could get a general multi, the ones I mentioned, they mentioned there, the Animal Parade, they do gummies and chewables. They're great for kids. They also do a chewable zinc. Zinc is often very important for um, immune system. It's also important for appetite. One of the deficiency signs of zinc is poor smell and poor taste. And I often wonder, is that the link with COVID, you know, because a lot of long COVID people, they're not getting their taste back for a long time. So we're recommending zinc supplements for people in that position. Having a bit of mixed results, to be honest, is not working for everybody, but it's certainly a good place to try. So the Floridix, the chewable zinc, and then the one we always love for kids for immune support is the BioNutri Junior Elderberry Complex because it has a lot of stuff, even great kids, eat kids who have great appetites and eat good food. There's stuff in there to support the immune system that you won't get in a normal diet and it comes in a chewable. It's the BioNutri Elderberry Complex. Okay, good advice as always, Annalisa. Of course, you'll have all the uh, products mentioned there on your website, thehealthhub.com and also on the Health Hub Facebook page so people can check that out and we will have the podcast of everything you've said if people want to stop or rewind you go back over it on c103.ie and we'll chat to you next week Annalisa Thanks John Paul Thank you that is Annalisa Giselle joining us as always from the Health Hub in Ballincollig located right across from the cinema there in Ballincollig My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced and we'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today Enjoy your Monday afternoon I'm John Paul McNamara with C103 Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.